Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, recording this live on Wednesday night, right before the Grizzlies take on the San Antonio Spurs. And I know I should have a one game at a time approach, but man, I can just I just can't get enough of the excitement around this matchup with the Minnesota Timberwolves on Friday night. The debut, the city jerseys, it's on ESPN. The first game since the Go Bear trade. It. <laughs> It's going to be riveting, and I'm very excited, and I have a special guest up north chit-chatting with us ahead of this game, talking about these two teams and the seismic changes for um, two teams, different different levels of seismic, but nonetheless, still going to be fascinating to talk about the, the new dynamic and the new chapter of the Grizzlies and Timberwolves rivalry. But before I introduce my guest, first let me tell you how to keep in touch with the blog and with the podcast network. So Grizzly Bear Blues is the Memphis Grizzlies SB Nation blog. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. And Grizzly Bear Blues Live is the flagship podcast of the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Alongside the Next Gen Podcast, the Starting Five Podcast, the Core Four Podcast, and Grizzly Bear Bets, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, wherever you get it, you can find the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network there. Once again, I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is a podcast host for Score North and of the Dane Moore Show with Blue Wire Pods covering the Minnesota Timberwolves. Former SB Nation, SB Nationer himself, Kyle Faye. Kyle, how's it going, man? It's going well, man. Thanks for having me on. The last time we spoke, the vibes were much better on my end because uh, we talked in April during that really star-studded playoff run. But um, yeah, I'm glad to hear from you again. Uh, I know we have a we we the Wolves play the Suns tonight, so we're kind of we have another game before we can kind of focus on on Friday's matchup. But uh, mm-hmm. Friday Grizzlies Timberwolves ESPN. Like you said, some new threads. Uh, it's going to be a really, really fun game. You don't get games like that that early in the season very often, but for a you know early November basketball game on the weekend, I'm I'm excited to kind of look ahead on the schedule and talk about that matchup. Absolutely, no, I'm 
I'm very excited. You know, this is some this is a game I've I've been this is the first home game that like I've actually like, I'm actually writing a feature on this game in particular. First one I'm doing so for obviously it's Grizzlies basketball. I'm excited regardless, but just there's so many different layers in here that we're gonna tap into. But I know Kyle, I promise you, I'm not gonna make fun of your team. I really am not <laughs> because everyone else has done it for y'all. I mean, yes. Rudy Gobert did it to himself the other night by attempting a three-pointer and airballed oh, it by God. two feet. Um, Anthony Edwards has had viral clips of looking absolutely disengaged on the basketball court, kind of rivaling uh, pre-good vibes, Cleveland Cavaliers and Kevin Love. Yep. Um, and just everything right now, you know, everyone was kind of sipping the Kool-Aid of what the Timberwolves can do in the regular season with this Rudy Gobert trade, what it can unlock with D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards. And by the way, I have sold absolutely all the stock I had in D'Angelo Russell from his Laker and Nets time. <laughs> I've sold all of it right now. But Kyle, I'll let you explain. I'll let you have the floor. Why are the Minnesota Timberwolves starting so slow? Well, you made a good point about everyone drinking the Kool-Aid. And I don't think anyone probably drank the Kool-Aid more than the you know 15 guys on that roster. Um it, I know this is the Grizzlies podcast. So the last time we spoke, the Wolves, you know, were a kind of a feisty playoff team in April. Since we last spoke, Parker, this is the Timberwolves are without a doubt more talented than the last time they were in Memphis. That's unarguable. However, they're also less mature. <laughs> um, you know, that they they made that big swing this summer to go get Rudy Gobert. Um, and from whoever you talk to or your perspective on how basketball kind of goes. Um, some people thought they gave up a lot in terms of players and picks. I think for me, the players they gave up were a little overrated. Patrick Beverly was obviously great here for a year, um, but he's also 34. He's shooting 22% when he does play for the Lakers. Um, Jared Vanderbilt's obviously a legend and kind awesome. of an under, under, he's underappreciated awesome. 20. Yeah, exactly. 23 year old kind of forward, but, and then Malik Beasley. So, you know, they, they, they filled those. I know we'll get into some of the guys they, they signed, including a guy that you're familiar with, but there's more talent on this team, in my opinion, from one to 15 than ever before. And the bar for that's pretty low because we've had about a 20 year rebuild since Kevin Garnett left, but they also just don't, they don't really know themselves. They don't really, they're trying to feel it out. They didn't really have much of a preseason. Rudy Gobert was played in Eurobasket, So he was kind of overseas playing really hard basketball all summer. So when he came back, they kind of eased him in. And then Carl Anthony Towns had this weird viral infection where he lost a lot of weight he was in the hospital so him and Rudy played like I don't know 16 minutes of the preseason together so just kind of say all of that to say we're only two three weeks into the season like 11 percent of the schedule but it does feel like it's been three years just of like you said there's a viral ant moment where he's just kind of standing around and then that gets blown up as moments do on social um the Rudy Gobert three poor D'Angelo Russell play the starting five has been just horrendous in like net rating um but there's been some optimistic things too there's been some things that like again the depth of this team is also the best it's had um and one of those guys that is kind of leading the charge of that second unit is Kyle Anderson who I know listeners of this show are very familiar with so just kind of like a weird teenager right like they're just trying to figure out it's growing pains they're trying to figure out who who's the leader of this team who's the largest voice how do they kind of hierarchy top down of Get, get offensive sets and who, who should take last shots. And it's just, it's kind of a mess and it translates onto the floor now and it's a mess on the floor, but um, all in all still optimistic, but 
yeah, when this team rolls into town on on Friday, they could be six and six or five and seven, but they're not the same gelled unit that you hosted uh, three times back in back in April. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I feel one thing that was, you know, you said, and you're right, the players they traded were overrated. Talking about Patrick Beverly, who, you know, for everything he did for that Minnesota culture, he's aging. But again, yeah, guys like Beverly, guys like Vanderbilt, and then I don't know how much of a culture piece Beasley was, but he was still one of the most frequent and accurate three-point shooters in the league. And you had that guy off your bench. When you take it into all those different accounts, you're like, oh, wait, that is a lot, especially because of what Beverly and Vanderbilt provided and how they gelled together. Um, Kyle, I do want to offer some optimism for you uh, <laughs> from a Grizzlies perspective. You know, last season, the Grizzlies started out 9-10 and eight, uh, nine and ten in their first okay. 19 games. And then, of course, they, they just rip and they just tear apart the league and they – turn that nine and 10 record into a 56 and 26 record. Um, and, you know, one thing that's very interesting within that, you know, re- this week I wrote about Steven Adams and his rim protection, you know, him, Taylor Jenkins, Dylan Brooks, they had said that there's an adjustment period for rim protectors when it comes to defensive coverages, because you're having to learn a whole new scheme and you're the back line for that. You know, you're having to, Learn to communicate. You have to learn how each guy communicates and where you have to be in the different spots of the coverage. And I think with the rim protector in general, it's extremely pivotal on on you because if you mess up, it's a basket. If it, someone else messes right. up, it could either be an open three or somebody's driving towards the rim protector. So obviously, there's that transition there. But I mean, that's just kind of the optimism with that. I mean. I, I will say one last thing to kind of quote unquote. Actually, no, it's not the last thing to quote unquote <laughs> joke with your team. You bring up maturity. And I think that's a really interesting dynamic in that because it probably is something you kind of worry about with losing guys like Beverly and Vanderbilt. You know, in a span of like what, 10 days, you had Carl Anthony Towns call out Anthony Edwards for his poor, poor diet. Which, you know, obviously before Carl Anthony Towns lost a lot of weight due to his viral infection, I'm glad he's doing better now. But he wasn't exactly the model for fit when, like, <laughs> right last season or in his NBA career. And then a couple of days ago, Anthony Edwards called the team soft. So, like, that, that immaturity is kind of showing and it's kind of cracking at the team's chemistry. That's how I see it from an outsider's perspective, granted. No, I think Twitter's right. gonna blow it up in a right. way that like it shouldn't, but it's definitely some stuff that there's that concern. But also too, like I said, it's a new team. They're deep. They're just having to work out the kinks. There's optimism that it can grow. It's <laughs> we just got to double digits for sample size. I think we're fine right now. Right. Yeah. And and again, I think talking about the fact that we're 11 games in. Um, at the best case scenario, the Wolves would have been like seven and four and they're five and six. So it's not like we're, you know, there's some teams that are struggling. I mean, you, you, you've, I know you and people listening to this follow the league, like go look around the league. If you're trying to make yourself feel better. Like I watched golden state lose five in a row. Like there's a lot of teams that are struggling, but yeah, from the, the, honestly, it's, there's so much we can talk about, right. In terms of offensive, you know, production or net rating, all these things, the, the Wolves just are struggling with like leadership and they're just struggling with, you know, that kind of, trickles down into effort or energy or 
mood and like you shouldn't be worrying about those things in November, but here we are. Um, and yeah, you lose a guy like Vando, you lose a guy like Pat Bev, but I know I mentioned him before. Kyle Anderson uh has been a revelation, uh, both on and off the court. Uh, I know you are familiar with him during his time in Memphis, but got to talk to him at Media Day extendedly, and just he's a really awesome dude. He just is yeah. a really great leader. Um, they have Torian Prince on the team. It's his second year, I think. Uh, he's he's a great leader. He's only 28, but I mean, he's one of the older guys in that locker room, which is crazy at 28. And then they signed Austin Rivers this summer. So they have some vets. But again, as you know, or as people listening to this know, you can only have so much of a voice if you're not playing. And Kyle Anderson and Torian Prince are strong parts of the rotation, but you got to, you know, they probably shouldn't be the leader of, you know, what is a $1.5 billion franchise. That's got to be Carlton Towns or D'Angelo Russell or Anthony Edwards, just like spinning it back to Memphis. Like, you know who the leader of your team is. It's John Morant. And then, you know, probably who like the VP of your team is right. The wolves don't have that hierarchy yet. They should, right. Because you know, you know, Carl's making 40 million or Rudy Gobert's making 42 million, but it's also hard for the new guy to be the leader when he doesn't know everyone. And then Rudy's been out for a couple of games due to COVID. So it's just all the per and then expectations to Parker. Like we're fans of similar, you know, kind of smaller market teams, but one of us has had a lot more success. That'd be you. One of us hasn't had as much success. That'd be me. Um, and we're just trying to balance. Now people are watching your games. Now people have the spotlight on you. And mm-hmm. that's why, you know, if the wolves are three and 10, Ant standing in a corner for a play doesn't really matter. But when you're the team that traded for Gobert and gave up all these picks and you have expectations and people are saying Western Conference Finals, which is like, okay, now it starts to snowball. So that's where we are. We are currently just going through therapy sessions as fans and as as media members trying to navigate like, okay, who is going to step up and kind of elevate this situation? Um, And like you said, last year, the Grizzlies had a bad, you know, start to the season. I think last year at this exact moment in time, the Wolves lost eight of nine games. So mm-hmm. we all know the season is a marathon. We all know at some point, half these teams, a third of these teams are going to flip their rosters for one banana um, and games might become easier to win. But for now, it's a uh, it's not as fun as it was when, you, like I said, when you and I talked in April, when we both were trying to make, you know, a finals run. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I do want to touch on the. I mean, actually, before I touch on the Kyle Anderson part, I must say, I bet, you know, those clips with, you know, Anthony Edwards and then you also have Carl Anthony Towns' comments, mm-hmm. that it has to trigger some sort of like PTSD with KG and Kevin Love just because, you know, you, you don't want to – as a small market, obviously with Memphis, we understand this too. You don't want to piss off the star player because right, yep. it's so hard to get that star player. And when you have him, you got to kind of do everything in your power to – make them happy from the moment they put on that draft cap. But I do want to talk about Kyle Anderson. And uh, to be honest, like the writing was always kind of on the wall for Kyle Anderson's departure with Memphis uh, since the middle of probably around when the calendar flipped, like 2022, just because, you know, that's when Brandon Clark started to reemerge as a key piece for the team. Kyle Anderson's uh, production and shooting kind of wavered with his uh, move to the bench. He shot 36% from three on almost four attempts per game the season before last. And last season, it fell to 33% on 1.6 attempts. And, you know, they had three draft picks. They're known to kind of moneyball stuff a little bit with their players. I was, it's kind of like, okay, 
they're going to go get a guy that will go replace Kyle Anderson in the draft. And obviously they did. They traded the 19th. They traded for the 19th pick, ironically, with Minnesota to get Jake LaRavia. And from there, y'all used that to pick Walker Kessler to use in the Gobert trade and then to pick Wendell Moore to kind of develop him into that wing rotation. But, I mean, I feel like you kind of answered a whole lot with uh, Kyle Anderson and what he provides off off the court. But what have you kind of seen from an on-court thing? Because I feel like he's the kind of guy where you got to stagger him correctly. Like, if you're using him with Rudy Gobert, it's not going to be pretty. But if you're using him with Carl Anthony Towns, they might experience some very, oh, very strong success. Though, for sure. He's definitely, um, like, kind of rotation-dependent, right? Like, I mean, everyone – I'm stealing this from 32 other people who have described Kyle Anderson as a Swiss Army knife. But when you really watch him play, and you kind of, like, peep a box score, and he's got, you know, nine points, six rebounds, five assists, three steals, a block, like – he really does kind of do all those things, but it also, like you said, it depends on who you're surrounding him with. Um, he had, he had some back spasms, so he's only played like seven games. I think like for Wolves fans that don't know him very well, he's shooting like 60% from three. Again, I think that's probably like six out of 10 three point attempts. So the sample there is incredibly small Three out but, of five. But okay. So the even better three out of five. So I'm guessing uh, anyone who, you know, believes in math, those numbers are probably going to come down, but he, he he really has been a galvanizing force because without getting way too deep into what's driving the Wolves crazy is that they just haven't gotten really great guard play. I mean, their backcourt of D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards should pop. Um, I have way more confidence in the younger, you know, Ant to kind of figure it out at 21 than maybe D'Lo, who's given you, as you said, you've sold all your stock in him. But they've kind of just thrown Kyle out there to be another kind of play-creating guard but then also, too, when Rudy was out with COVID, they're like, hey, can you also just play some backup five? So it's been fun. I mean, I, I don't know if you have you have so many more reps of watching Kyle Anderson that you're like, well, we really like this, but we are also kind of ready to move on from this. We're not ready to move on from anything yet because we're just kind of in the honeymoon phase. Oh, but yeah. um, so, I mean, so far, so good. And then uh, he had a really good night a couple games ago and they beat. I can't remember who they beat. Probably like a, a bad Spurs team or something. But they raved about him after the game and how they kind of take to him in the locker room. And again, that goes back to what we're going through right now is just who are the adults, who's going to bring it every night, even if it's a back-to-back or, you know, you're tired or playing gets in late, like who is going to be that adult, that professional. And he has been, you know, above and beyond. He was the first major move, you know, people listening to this, the Wolves brought in Tim Connolly this summer from, from Denver, he was the first move. He happened in the order of operations before the Rudy Gobert trade. So if Gobert never gets traded for, they came in and like, this is a guy that we want to kind of help our program kind of take its next leap. Uh, and I think that's pretty cool. So, so far, so good on Kyle Anderson. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if he can stay durable. We'll see if he can continue to hit shots at a respectable clip. And we'll see if he can kind of galvanize that locker room. You know, I love to hear it. Always been a fan of slow-mo. Um, and I, I'm glad he's helping out the culture there. You know, I feel like the I feel like the Timberwolves just needed a little Grizz next gen culture. To really, yeah, oh, 100 that, percent. That's not the the Go Bear trade's not the big move. It's signing Kyle Anderson. That that's <laughs> exactly. the big move we're talking about here. Exactly. But, yeah, and I want to get into. I guess it could be another wrinkle with Kyle Anderson, but it's really kind of more about the Timberwolves as a whole. And I guess now what these moves now this the move that the Grizz or the Timberwolves just made for Go Bear, what it means for. Um, guarding Ja because I think Minnesota did a really good job getting him off his game in the playoffs 
Obviously, he kind of had some lingering injury stuff, but I, I don't want to discredit the job that Minnesota did, um, kind of just blitzing him off pick and rolls, attacking him off drives. They put ba- Pat Bev on, on him, and you know Pat Bev, he loves those star point guard matchups more than any other player in the league. But I will say, you know, even though Ja wasn't on as a scorer, I mean, he averaged about 22 points on less than 40% shooting from the field. He did average roughly 10 assists per game. So like yep. he had that. Yep. But now, you know, Pat Bev, he had the most possessions and had the most time guarding Ja than anybody on the Timberwolves by a landslide. I want to say he had 36 matchup minutes on Ja. And now they're... And it, obviously, they're trying to guard Ja by make, giving him a roadblock in the middle. Granted, mm-hmm. Ja doesn't care who's in the middle. I mean, in game two of the 2021 playoffs, he scored 47 on the Utah Jazz while getting into the paint quite frequently with, guess who? Rudy Gobert in the paint. But now it kind of shifts of like, how are you going to get Ja at the point of attack? You know, who's going to guard him out in the perimeter? Who's navigating those pick and rolls with him defensively? So... Who do you, who do you how do you see them going about this? You know, do they? It's it's pretty clear they're gonna go with size on him. They want size and length on him. Obviously, I don't know if they want to expend that energy on Anthony Edwards to guard Jaw. I mean, frankly, they might be better off putting him on Bain. But how do you see these moves affecting how the Timberwolves are gonna guard Jaw as effectively as they did in the twenty twenty two playoffs? Well, as clearly I'm coming at this from a Timberwolves angle, but I Absolutely, also have yeah. spent enough time hanging out with my Grizzlies friends and watching the Grizzlies team that I kind of have like a soft spot in my heart. So my first and foremost thing is just like, you don't really stop job, right? Like there's probably just not a li- list of guys around the league that can slow him down. So if the Wolves are like, well, how do we stop John Morant? Well, then you're probably asking the wrong question because you're not going to stop him. Um, they did throw Pat Bev on him a lot in the playoffs, like you said, but we just talked about this at the top like pat bev is 34 if the wolves and grizzlies who are two you know still relatively really young up and coming they're going to be here for the 2020s like pat bev's not going to be part of that that formula much longer no matter what so i think in chris finch's ideal world like you said it would be a mixture of guys they do have a lot of length to throw at them i mean Jaden mcdaniels is a really long guy you can throw you know in spurts kyle anderson torian prince um but then also too like in kind of closing situations i mean the best guy they have and this is one of the things that's only niche to like wolves fans you don't see this a lot but it would anthony edwards would guard him a lot can he guard jaw and then go get you 30 on offense that that remains to be seen but one of the things that i think if you don't watch anthony edwards night in and night out you don't know how much he's come around as a defender it was completely non-existent zero percent coming out of georgia he really has not only just physically gotten bigger, but his effort level when he wants to, right? Again, we're talking about a lot of psychology over here in Minnesota. Um, mm-hmm. But when he wants to defend you, he'll, he, I mean, there's as many viral clips as there are of Ant standing with his hands on his shoulders. There's also viral clips of him just like not letting Luca get in the lane, right? Not, you know, letting Devin Booker get the ball. So you would hope to be able to throw him on jaw as a Wolves fan in high pressure moments. But I think like other teams that face you guys at the end of the day, it's just like, we're just going to have to do this as a combination and hope that we can, you know, slow him down just enough offensively. Like you said, maybe get him to score 22 instead of 32 
and then just kind of hope that make the other guys beat us. Clearly they did in that playoff series, Parker, but mm-hmm. that would be the hope is that like, can we just got to maybe make Dylan Brooks or, or Bain or some of these other guys beat us and we can't let jaw get 40 on us every game, but also too, we just like, you're going to, you're going to be in the playoffs. Like I'm not concerned about guarding John Morant right now because I just want to get back there. Uh, if we get back there and jaw drops 40 for four straight games, that's okay. Yeah, no, I get that. And I will say before I kind of continue with the, the jaw piece of this, I must say there's no other player in the league that can just like flip that switch like Anthony or like it, the magnitude yep, of when the switch yep. is flipped like Anthony Edwards. Like he can go from one night looking like Michael Jordan to looking like Ruby, the prime Rudy Gay the next night. Like it's <laughs> incredibly wild. And I'm saying that from somebody who watched no, that's Rudy good. Gay play for seven that's years. That's good. It, it is. So. It's, he, I, I, I like, I mean, I have league pass. I know you have league pass. Like I watch a lot of other teams. I struggle to find a guy, five guys that are more boom or bust than Anthony Edwards. Like his high when he just wants to give you three straight minutes of, I can do everything offensively, three level score, and I can also pretty much like shut down your guy for three minutes. It's incredible. And it's what makes this all even more frustrating, right? Because you know, as a guy who has one of those guys on his team, is like Jaw has figured out now early on in his career that you have to just do that for 38 minutes a night. 80 games a year, right? You can't just turn it off and on all the time. It's just got to remain on. And Jaws figured that out. Ant hasn't yet. I'm confident he will, but oh, he will. It's, it's, the, it's, it is one of the, you know, we, when I talked to you and Joe back in April, the Wolves have a lot of similarities, even some of the big moves they made. Now they, they still kind of want to emulate what the Grizzlies do. Um, and I think we both feel confident we have one of those, you know, quote unquote guys, but Jaw figured it out early. And Ant's mm-hmm. still trying to figure it out. He's 21. I know that's not a big difference, 23, 21, but it is. It is a big difference still. He, he just be able to drink two months ago. So he's got to figure out some of the stuff that Jaw figured out early in his career, and that'll help. But for now, yeah, if, if the Wolves and Grizzlies play in a, in a playoff series, the Wolves just don't have right now today that, I mean, it's not like Pat Bev shut Jaw down, but they don't have that one solo guy that they can throw on him that they also don't need on the offensive end. So it'll be tough. It'll be tough to figure out. Um, and I don't even want to wrap my head around yet what Ja did to Rudy Gobert in 2021 in the playoffs. So let's just let's just not talk about that yet. Okay, I, I won't. <laughs> I will say though, I will say it, it's one of those things with guys like Ja. You're not going to stop him, right? You can only hope to contain him. You know how right. the cliche line, <laughs> and you know, I mean, I think in that series he did adjust greatly, and he relied on his teammates. And granted, I think that's just another example of just how good of a co-star Desmond Bain is. Yep. But, oh yeah, for sure. Um I do want to get into one one other element uh with or really it's I have two other elements, but it's more of a, a joking question, the second one. But first, the Steven Adams factor in this. I think Minnesota did a very good job of taking Adams out of that series. Granted, COVID nineteen also took him out of that series as well. <laughs> but you know, they they because of towns as of five it, I, I explained this in the feature that I have coming up uh, tomorrow, and I guess as our listeners are listening, it's going to be today. But Adams's problem isn't defending the pick and roll. It's who is the who's the guy setting the screen. Is he a guy that's going to pop out to the perimeter and put the ball on the floor, or is he a guy rolling to the basket? And because Rudy Gobert doesn't have any sort of offensive gravity whatsoever, now 
it opens up an avenue for the Grizzlies to play Steven Adams. That's kind of how I see things. And he's a he's a glue for this team when it comes to generating the uh, possessions advantage with crashing the offensive rebounds. Obviously, you are going to be seeing that with Rudy Gobert as well. Um, he opens up stuff as a as a um, high post hub with his screening and his playmaking. And I think the biggest thing in this and something that uh, Minnesota fans kind of got spared from is Jaron Jackson Jr. His foul rate is like cut in half when playing with Stephen Adams. So now you know the Grizzlies can now play their twin towers next to y'all's twin towers. And just how do you kind of see the front court element in that, especially when it comes to Steven Adams and the, the, the advantage that you're losing shifting cat away from the five position. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. And honestly, this is terrible, but it got me excited, but I had forgotten about Jaron Jackson just in general. Cause he's still obviously he's still hurt, kind of yep. rehabbing that injury, but, um, I haven't really, I haven't really been able, honestly, dude, to wrap my head around that. But I will say that the when you were talking about that, the first thing that came to mind is that, and this is a ten thousand foot view. There are so many differences oh, between yeah. Stephen Adams or Rudy Gobert, but the 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 characteristics that kind of go with those guys is strong, you know, strong rim protection, good rebounders, set heavy screens. Um, it will be fascinating to see. I mean, like you said, they. I don't want to say they played him off the floor in that playoff series because you just shifted small and then just dominated the glass. I mean, rebounding was, and I I think you would agree, rebounding was the overarching theme of that Wolves-Grizzlies playoff series. It was mm-hmm. just that when the Wolves needed to get a stop, they could sometimes, but they didn't get the ball. They therefore didn't get a stop, and then the Grizzlies just crushed them on the glass. It is going to be weird to see if those two teams, like I know on this Friday for this big game, Jaron Jackson's not around yet, but when they actually do get to play kind of twin towers versus twin towers, it's going to be fascinating. And you kind of gave me some life because one of the things we talk about just in our little Minnesota fan base is like John Morant's ability to still get to the rim, even with a guy like Steven Adams out there, right? Like that's another viral thing that's gone up these first two weeks is the ant talking about, Oh, I can't really get to the, to the rim because there's all these big guys, you know, Rudy Gobert's out there. So jaws had no problem attacking the rim yeah. when, you know, Jaron Jackson's on the right and Steven Adams is on the left. So, from a Minnesota perspective, it's like that's another thing you can kind of hang your hat on. It's like, yo, they figured it out. Why can't we? Um, but it, it, if if these two teams were to square up again in this year's playoffs, next year's playoffs, whatever, it would probably, Parker, and you know this just as well as I do, like it would probably be a completely different series because instead of just kind of playing small ball both sides, you're kind of forced to play big. But I don't think – I mean, I know from Minnesota's standpoint they want to play big because they've invested $90 million in their front court. But from your perspective – would Memphis I mean Memphis would be totally fine, right? Playing big, oh, playing yeah. both those guys out there at the same time. Yeah. And they experience a lot of success when they do so. Um they're the starting lineup net rating last year was just absolutely sensational. Okay. Like, yeah. An actual healthy one. I want to say like the defensive rating in non garbage time minutes with uh Job, Bain, Brooks, Jackson and Adams. Granted, very small sample size because of injuries from Morant and Brooks. But the defensive rating there was like sub 100. Like they just stifled opponents. And they don't have any problems playing big at all. And in fact, I think it's Jaron Jackson Jr. that allows them to maintain a size advantage even when they go small. Obviously, now you're going to be seeing the same thing with Carl Anthony Towns. But yeah, 
last season, the Grizzlies outscored opponents by 9.1 points per 100 possessions when Jackson and Adams were on the floor together. And it kind of makes things interesting now, too, where you're looking at staggering. You know, you can mirror. You can't all the way mirror, but you can have in the stagger minutes, you know, if it's Gobert and Anderson, the Grizzlies can go Adams and Santi Aldama. Or if it's yep, yep. Towns and McDaniels or Towns and Anderson, you can go Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark. And or in closing situations, you've seen teams kind of try to spread out Rudy Gobert, make him mm-hmm. cover more ground. Yep. Then you can go Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark, even though Brandon Clark's more paint-oriented, or you can go Jaron Jackson Jr. and Santi Aldama or Jake Laravia, something. So it it kind of just gives them more optionality, but I'm very excited it's, to see. I'm, I'm just excited to see. That's this, the uh, word, though, is excited, right? Because, oh, yeah. I mean, you, you ride with your team, I ride with my team. But I also think we would both say, you know, publicly we have tremendous respect for the other team's coach. Or like I think Taylor Jenkins is awesome, and I think you have really high respect for Chris Finch. They're both really creative basketball minds. So if nothing else, this Rudy Gobert trade, if these two teams were to run it back again in a playoff series, it just gives you a whole other chunk of wrinkles to kind of go through because that that was one. The Wolves really, as you get into a playoff series, you start to have to just rely on the one or two things you do really well. And the Wolves just kind of like, okay, we're just have to play small, get Steven Adams off the floor and then just hope. Well, hope didn't work, but, but now you can, mm-hmm. now you can throw it. Like you just gave up all the different lineups. Yeah. They can play Rudy and they can play him with, you know, McDaniels and then three shooters, or they can play Carl with Kyle Anderson next to him. And then, you know, maybe some more defense or something. So it, it just, it's, I thought Wolves Grizzlies. And again, not a lot of playoff experience on our end, but I thought it was a really fun I mean, we captured the moment, right? Like during during social media during that time, like we were the fun series to watch. Oh yeah. And now you just add in more ingredients and it just it should make for an even more compelling playoff series if of course they both make it. But it would be fascinating because both teams have a lot of similarities in how they're built and kind of the rosters that they have. But one team is again for the nine hundredth time, one team has figured out how to play that style much better and much more efficiently than the other team, my team. Um, but it'd be, it'd be interesting. It'd be so cool to watch Rudy Gobert and Steven Adams just, you know, just bang and set hard picks and playoff basketball with those two guys. And then, you know, sub them off the floor and play Jaron Jackson versus Carl. So it'd be awesome. It would be awesome. It gets me excited for if we ever figure this out to, oh, yeah. to play you again. It, it's like, uh, you know, you bring up Jenkins and Finch. Yeah, I do have utmost respect for Finch before the Grizzlies, before the Grizzlies hired Taylor Jenkins and they were just kind of like a coaching carousel and had like, five coach like four coaches in six years i really wanted chris finch i i had heard oh, that's stuff awesome. in, in okay. new orleans so yeah but i will i will so it's almost like you're giving them a whole new chessboard with whole new chess pieces yes really. good point yeah so it's it's gonna be exciting to kind of see the and granted this is just one game in 82 they'll probably i think they're gonna face <laughs> each other off like two or three other times so like this isn't exactly a playoff series you can listen to this again if they play each other in the playoffs but I, I think this just adds a new wrinkle, but I guess the final question I'll ask you, did the Minnesota Timberwolves one. really mortgage their future because <laughs> of what Brandon Clark did? When you sent me that one, I had a really good laugh. Um, I think, I hope Grizzlies fans listening or Wolves fans listening can hear that. Like we're kind of in this, just everyone needs to breathe. We got to figure this out. We're not meeting expectations. We know we're pissing you off. We know we're not fun to watch. 
Um, but the one, the one area, the one corner I'll stand on is that, and I, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to kind of peek behind the curtain on this is that like how the wolves got Rudy Gobert, they gave up a bunch of picks and mm-hmm. now everyone just thinks they have no more picks. But if you understand bass, like, you know, the stipion rule, like they have a pick every other year moving forward. They just don't have it in 2023, 2025, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I will say this, even though it hasn't been, it's been clunky, you know, they're like, I think they're seventh in net rating right now when Gobert plays. They they do have Rudy Gobert, right? Like yeah. that is a thing that they have. And Parker and I recorded this a little late today. Parker, I'm going to kind of tell a little bit because Parker got a new couch and Parker paid X for that couch. And I'm sure it's a great couch, but oh, as soon rocks. as you got that couch, it's now worth like X minus three. It is, you will not sell that couch for what you bought it for. So for the Wolves perspective, this whole national thing about you mortgage the future, you're, you're, you're screwed. Like they have the player. Now, could they just pivot and turn that pl- tr- player and trade them for 85 cents on the dollar? That would suck. But yeah, you would still go be able to go get two first round picks, right? Or two first round picks in a wing. So this idea that they just don't like, yes, of course, they don't have all those picks, but they have a bunch of players. And at the end of the day, if I've learned anything from watching this league, or kind of following how Daryl Morey just believes in talent over everything else. They have a lot of talent. It sucks that they're five and six, but at some point, if Tim Connolly, who gets paid, you know, top three, top four executive money in the in the league, if it's not working, as we call the target centers or, you know, Northern Heights, like if that experiment doesn't work, you just pivot off of one of those guys and continue to rebuild around, you know, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels. So I know you see it that way, but for the people that are like, wow, you just, you don't have any other options. It's like, actually, we can just sell the couch. We can just sell the car. And yeah, we might pay a tax on not getting our full value for it. But I don't know, man, like for all the times we talk about draft picks, because I did this with the Grizzlies, I did this with the Wolves. Like there were some lean years before you got Morant where you were drafting guys that I don't think are in the league. There was a lot of lean years where the Timberwolves had high draft picks, and those guys are in China. So draft picks aren't everything. I would rather have the player in this situation, but they got to figure it out. And if they don't figure it out, they're going to be forced to move off of one of those big guys. Um, And that is my rant. So thanks for letting me. This was very therapeutic. Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. No problem. I'm always happy to help help there. (laughs) I will say the one thing with picks, and granted, I am totally – joking half joking brandon Clark did for sure oh 100 Brand- the, the the wolves summer was dictated by the fact that we can't go into the playoffs again and get crushed on the board so while you said that in a funny way there's also strong reason to support that because it was the fatal flaw of this team is like we can't rebound we have to go be able to find rebounds did they do it the right way i don't know we'll figure it out but you're 100 right that brandon clark ended this team's playoff run Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I will say, too, uh, like you said with the draft picks, you know, I think I saw a tweet that said this. If not, I'm just unsolicitedly throwing shade at the (laughs) New Orleans Pelicans. But draft picks are great until it's Jackson Hayes and Nico Alexander-Walker. Yes, thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Like, it's great. You have the pick. But guess what? The minute it – like. You know, you bring up, I thank you for bringing up the couch, but you know, it's like, it's the car <laughs> thing. You know, the minute you make that yep, pick they, and it comes off the lot, it go the value of the value of that pick or asset goes down because, you know, it's the mystery box, you know, but. And, and, yeah. the, and the hope is again, I, I tried to look at this from a Grizzlies perspective more, but I went back and like on basketball reference, there was a three-year period where it was like Jarrell Martin, Wade Baldwin, 
and Jordan Adams. I don't know who any of those guys are. You're probably way more familiar as a Grizzlies fan, but like the Wolves basketball reference of draft history is just littered with that. It's like, you don't, mm-hmm. you rarely actually find the guy and the guys I listed from Memphis were all picked 17, 25, like the Wolves at a, while it's been clunky, their floor is not going to be what the Rockets floor is or the magic. They're going to be up there. So yeah, they probably gave up, a you know, a multiple picks in the late teens, early twenties. But the hope is, is that you hit on your 2020 draft class with Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards. You have Carl Anthony Towns signed for like seven more years. Rudy Gobert signed for four. And you hope to first figure that out. And if those guys don't figure it out, there's nothing more valuable in this league than trading players on long-term contracts that you have player control over and then just kind of pivoting back. So that's the hope on our end. That's kind of what we've been telling ourselves. Um, We would much rather be walking into Memphis eight and two on Friday. That's not the case, but um, we'll see what happens because for better or worse, at least we're going to show up on Friday and, and be able to grab more rebounds. Um, so we're already going to be able to see Parker like a little chess game of like, okay, maybe the Wolves won't get crushed on the boards on Friday. So then what does Memphis do to counter that and try to, and, you know, and try to beat them? So it should make for a fun, fun, regular season, November basketball game. Oh yeah. I'm absolutely excited. And Kyle, I thank you very much for coming on this podcast. I got to go watch the Grizzlies game, but Same, let, I them, get out here. <laughs> let, let the people know where they could find you and your work. Yep. Uh, I'm over at score North. Uh, I have hosted flagrant howls. It's a basketball podcast about the Timberwolves um, with my co-host Phil Mackey twice a week. And then I'm also uh, helping produce the Dane Moore NBA podcast, which is like the best Timberwolves podcast we got going. So uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of my voice, a lot of podcasts. Um, also there's still a great team over at Canis Hoopus led by Jack Borman. Um, kind of, I don't know, man, Wolves coverage at Canis and Grizzlies coverage at GB at GBB is like so, so, so strong. So two really great sites. Um, so anytime you and I can link up, it's great. So thanks again for having me on. Absolutely, Kyle. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I will say nobody covers uh, small market basketball teams on an SB Nation level like the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. I, no no slight to anyone else listening to this, but I think I think that's the truth there. But Kyle, I appreciate you coming on this pod with me. You can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flock and make sure you're following all of my work and the great staff's work over at grizzly beer blues at grizzlybeerblues.com or on twitter at sb and grizzlies and make sure you're liking subscribing downloading writing a five-star review <laughs> for the grizzly bear blues podcast network wherever you get your podcast and with that we'll see you next week